0: Joy does not need circumstances in order to happen. Joy doesn't come from external circumstances being right. Joy comes from an internal, eternal relationship with the living God of the universe.
1: Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. This is the season of joy, but in a year of political turmoil and the ongoing effects of the pandemic, joy may not seem obvious. The truth is that Jesus came into the world that we may have his joy fulfilled in us. Here's David with a message he simply calls joy.
0: Well, Merry Christmas to you. It's good to have you here. Thank you. And maybe even driving here this morning, you're singing joy to the world. The Lord has come and you're arguing and bickering and what's coming out of your heart is anything but joy. What's joy? It's written on our little bulbs that we hang on the trees. What is joy? Written on doorposts. What is joy? Well, let me give you what joy is by contrasting it to happiness. Happiness is a feeling we have when external circumstances are good. It's something Americans continue to strive for, the pursuit of happiness. Happiness because we believe if we just have a little more money a better car better clothes our life situation be better then happiness is our guaranteed right and everything's okay but the truth is we don't always get what we want and when we do get it we find out it's like dust in our hands and we don't feel happiness for long happiness demands circumstances it comes from the old english word hap which means circumstances happiness happenstance same rude uh, word, rootage. Joy is completely different. Joy does not need circumstances in order it to happen. Joy doesn't come from external circumstances being right. Joy comes from an internal, eternal relationship with the living God of the universe. And when we have that relationship, we know, first of all, that God is good. We know he's in control of everything. We know he loves us, and we know in the promise of the Scripture, in this relationship, he's working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So in that relationship, then joy is the natural byproduct of that relationship. I've teased with you before, but if you plant an orange tree, what should you expect on that tree? What fruit? Oh, you're good. Oranges. Great. Way to go. Same is true for bananas or whatever. Whatever you plant should come out of it. Well, if your root in your heart is in Christ, the natural result of that should be his fruit. And one of the fruit that comes from him is joy. Some of you may know the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5:22 is love joy peace patience i mean it's the natural result of being in christ it has nothing to do with circumstances it has everything to do with a relationship with the god of this universe through jesus christ in fact i would suggest to you today that joy is the birthright of every believer in jesus it is the birthright of anyone who's been born again by the holy spirit in christ If you don't believe that, listen to some of these promises from Jesus and two of his followers who wrote most of the New Testament, Peter and Paul. Listen to Jesus, John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you that my, what, folks? Joy may be in you and that your joy may be partial. What, folks? Full. Jesus wants to place his full joy in us. John sixteen twenty four. truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Asking in Jesus' name means in that relationship with him, trusting him that he's good, he's love, he's in control, he's working all things together for good. Asking in his name gives answered prayer. And, folks, there's nothing that will increase greater joy in your life than answered prayer in his name, in that relationship. John 17, 13, Jesus said, but now I'm coming to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus wants to give us all his joy that he had in his perfect relationship with the Father to us, a fullness of joy. Peter, writing to the persecuted church of his day, where Christians were regularly being arrested, persecuted, persecuted tortured and killed he wrote these words to encourage them first peter 1 8 though you have not seen him you love him now some of you may have had an apparition of jesus i'm envious of you if you have but most of us have never seen him yet we still love him though you do not see him you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory Though we've not seen him, we love him, we're in a relationship with him, we know he loves us, he's in control, he's working all things together for good. Joy inexpressible should be the natural byproduct of that relationship, Peter said. Unexplainable joy, inexpressible joy. And then, of course, Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said this, Rejoice, read it with me, rejoice in the Lord Always, again, I say rejoice. Looked up the word always in the dictionary, it means? Uh, it means always, of course, rejoice in the Lord always. And like any good teacher who repeats himself, again I tell you, rejoice, have joy. Now listen, when Paul wrote these words in Philippians 4.4, 4, he is chained to a wall in a Roman prison or he's chained to a Roman guard in a prison. Either way, he's a prisoner. Moreover, most scholars believe that where Paul was being imprisoned, running at his feet was basically Roman sewage. As Paul wrote these words, he was chained in a prison with excretion and urine running at his feet. And yet, regardless of his circumstances, he cried out, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the relationship you have with the Lord. He's in you. You're in him. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, let me tell you, rejoice. Joy has nothing to do with circumstances, persecution, prison, excretion, or urine. Joy has everything to do with an eternal, internal relationship with God through Christ, the natural fruit of which is joy you have that joy today? Or are your circumstances causing you to bicker and cut down and hurt other people like the drama said? Joy. Let me give you some enemies of joy, things that strangle joy. First of all, unbelief. If you are going to have faith, folks, your faith is rooted in the character of God. Every ounce of faith is rooted in the character of God. You first of all have to believe that God is good, that God's in control, that God is love, and God is working everything together for good. He is good. He's love. He's in control, and he's working everything together in your life for good. And if you believe God is evil, God doesn't love you, and chaos exists in this world and everything's out of control, you will have unbelief, and unbelief strangles joy. The second enemy is trials. Romans 5, verses 3 through 5 says this. Not only that, but we rejoice, we have joy in our sufferings. Another word for sufferings in the Greek is trials. Same word. Sufferings are trials. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, is Paul a masochist, he says, have joy in the midst of suffering. Have joy in the midst of your trials. But don't miss it. He's saying the reason we have joy in our trials is because there's a progression that God is doing in our lives because he's love and good and has everything under control. And he's working it together for good. We rejoice in our trials because the next step is it produces endurance. There's something important in God's economy about learning perseverance, endurance, and patience. He doesn't want us to live in a microwave culture where we get everything immediately. He wants us to learn endurance, and one of the best ways of doing that is rejoicing when there are trials. And in the endurance, after some period of time, that moves us to character. That in the enduring process, eternal character is being built. Now, have you guys figured it out yet? I'm still trying. That we're going to live a whole lot longer on the other side than we do here. Have you figured that out? We live here 70, 80, maybe if we're lucky 90 plus years. But eventually we're all going to die. Have a nice day. It's all going to come to every single one of us. And when this world ends for us, we're going to spend forever in the other world. Therefore, if we are in Christ, God is preparing us as eternal creatures, He's preparing every single one of us in Christ who are in relationship with him for eternity. Therefore, as we rejoice in our trials, sufferings, and we learn endurance and perseverance, he's shaving off things that are keeping us from being his eternal creatures. Let me say it again and again. God is more concerned with building our eternal character than he is our present comfort. God is more concerned about making us eternally holy than presently happy. And the trials reveal to us the stuff inside of us that God wants gone. If you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, what will come out? Toothpaste, Toothpaste. I'm so proud of you. You're brilliant, folks. Toothpaste that's inside the tube will come out when it's squeezed. God sometimes puts us in Squeezed trials so that as we endure we see what's really in our hearts and we see the selfishness and the anger and the bitterness and all that stuff being squeezed out and God says let me get rid of that because I want to build your character and it's only in the trial that you see the character and folks the character God wants us to have is the character of Christ the servant-heartedness of Christ He wants us to quit living like we're the center of the world and live giving our lives away for the glory of Christ. And trials prove where our hearts are, whether we want to be served or to serve. And then after character comes hope. And that hope doesn't shame us because through that hope we then learn the love of God, that he has all things under his power, in his control. As I've joked with you so often, the most often spoken word in heaven is going to be, oh, oh. As God reveals to us how he was working that trial, that suffering for our good and his glory. Oh, 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 oh. And then it's going to lead to, oh, I praise you, oh God. It's tough to believe it when you're in the middle of it, but it's true. Um, most of you folks know I have three children. I have Bethany, and I have David, my middle son, who's taller than I am, plays basketball like I used to. And my third son is Michael. He's 17. He's a senior in high school, and it's my privilege to tell all of you that Michael just recently signed a, a partial swimming scholarship to go swim competitively at the University of Missouri in Columbia, Missouri. Isn't that cool, my son Michael? Yay, I'm so proud of him. And he's really good. I mean, we dropped him in the water when he was seven, and he hasn't gotten out since. He loves to swim. He's really, really looks like a barracuda cutting through the water. I mean, he really is good. And you know what's so funny? When I was a kid, I almost drowned three times. I couldn't swim one lick, but there's my son. He's really a good competitive swimmer. Now, if Michael continues to get good, the big if, and his times continue to lower, in 2016, he could be invited to the Olympic trials in Omaha, Nebraska, okay? Now, now here's how that goes. You have a certain time trial you've got to make, but if you go, there are approximately 400 other swimmers who are there, and all of them compete in a trial against each other, and out of those 400 plus, only 16 are chosen, and they go to the Olympics. Now, will Michael go to the Olympics? Who knows? He's got to get really, really fast, but there's every indication if he continues to get good, he'll go to the Olympic trials. Now, isn't it interesting they're called Olympic trials? Why? Because they compete against each other's times. And the best time trials get you on the team. But you first have to go through the trial. So we rejoice in our trials because in the endurance and the hard work, we see whether our time matches up, not against other people, but against Jesus. We see if our character is the character of the servant-hearted Christ. And then that produces hope, which produces love in that relationship with Jesus. So we have joy in the trial. But if you don't believe the trial is being used by God for good, trial will choke Joy in your heart. And then there's guilt. Uh, we live in past mistakes, failures, foibles. But I want to tell you some great news in case you're living in the past with extraordinary guilt. That on the cross, Jesus absorbed all of our sins so that. When we confess him as Lord and Savior, all of our sins are on his body, not ours, and we're guilt-free in the sight of God. May I tell you some wonderful news that if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, God is an eternal amnesiac. Isn't that good news? You want to give God glory for that? He's an eternal amnesiac. And you know what? All of my goofball sins, for which I'm terribly ashamed and embarrassed, if I went to God right now and said, Lord, do you remember when I, he would say, David, I distinctly remember forgetting that as far as the east is from the west god remembers our sins no more jesus suffered an excruciatingly physically painful death and he considered it joy why because he knew that would be god's way of bringing us into a relationship with him He knew the cost of his physical suffering for the moment didn't compare with the eternal glory that would come in you and me being saved and having a relationship with God forever. He thought that was joyous to go through suffering. Joy comes in doing the will of God. And because of that, God even exalted Jesus to be at His right hand, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God exalts us when we exalt Jesus to His primary place. J, Jesus first. O is what? Others next. God made you to serve, not be served. He wants us to live to give. In fact, our depression might even lift if we learn how to give our lives away, especially to the needy and the hurting. Isaiah 58.10. I wrote this verse on a bracelet I gave to Marilyn years ago on one of our anniversaries. It's her favorite verse in the Bible. Here's what it says. Read it with me. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as... Did you catch that? If you'll find somebody who's worse off than you are and go serve them, particularly the poor, the needy, the hungry, the oppressed, your depression
1: might lift. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio in a Christmas conversation about hope. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: Hi, I'm Tony Marciano, President and CEO of Charlotte Rescue Mission. Let me ask you a question. What do you do when you stand at the intersection of homelessness and addiction? Let me put you in that person's shoes for just a second. What is it that you really need? You've probably been one of the individuals who stood at the end of the interstate ramp, holding a sign that said, hungry, will work for food. But you never used the money for food. You bought booze and drugs with it. and Most likely, you hate your life. Your addiction has stolen every aspect of hope. You want to be part of the fabric of society, but every morning your addiction screams and you surrender to it. There is one thing you do need, and that is transformation. The place to go is Charlotte Rescue Mission. Charlotte Rescue Mission works from the inside out to address the root cause of someone at the crossroads of addiction and homelessness. The Rescue Mission provides free, Christian, residential, high-quality substance abuse recovery programs to members of our community who otherwise would not be able to afford such services. With a passion for holistic transformation and a love for Christ, the mission's 120-day program has transformed the lives of thousands of men and women in our community. Charlotte Rescue Mission is grateful for the financial partnership of Moments of Hope Church.
1: Jen Houston, thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us today. Hello,
0: Jen. It's great to be with you as well.
1: Well, I know the word hope is a major part of who you are as a person and your ministry, but it has a special meaning this time of year.
0: It really does. The word hope, uh, we see it hung on our Christmas trees, written on an ornament, or as a word that we place on our mantles uh, sometimes even in a secularized city, they'll put the word hope up during Christmas time period. And I think it's because whenever we think of Jesus, we should think of hope. And and the reason for that is because during what's called the intertestamental time period between Malachi and Matthew, God had spoken through His prophets in the Old Testament over and over again. Then there was silence. There was no prophetic word until finally, Gabriel, the angel, appears to Mary and says, "I'm going to give you this child created by My power in your womb, and this child's name will be Jesus, which means Savior, for He will save God's people from their sins." So finally, God speaks again. But during that 400 years of silence, all. All the people had was was a promise. Hmm. They had hope in their hearts that God would still come and speak to them. Well, God not only came and spoke to them with words through the angel Gabriel, but he is Jesus, the Logos, as John 1 calls him. That word means the word in Greek. It means concept or logic. It is the thought of God regarding what he wanted human beings to be in flesh. Hmm. And so God put on human flesh. He took on a tent, if you will, and moved from heaven to this earth. Um, One translation has it this way, that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Hmm. God moved into the neighborhood. God put on human flesh and moved into the neighborhood to fulfill the hope that people had in their hearts that God would still speak to them again. So not only did he speak to them through the angel— he also became one of them in human flesh so that they could see the concept logic of God in human flesh to be able wow. to understand his character, hope. Jen, we can't live a day without it, and that's why Christmas time should be filled with hope. God does answer his promises. Even in silence, as we wait, he still will come through for us.
1: Well, this is producing hope in me, and really in the times that we're living in, we can also find hope in, in God fulfilling the promise of sending Jesus, but he's coming back, and we are in another waiting period. And and we should take hope from Mary and Elizabeth and and look back at the forerunners to take hope now.
0: You've made a great point, Jen. Uh, We in church world have what's called the Advent season, and it's the four weeks of Christmas leading up to Christmas Day. Advent means beginning, so God came in the beginning of his salvation message through Jesus, but there's also something Christians believe in, and that's the second advent, and that's the second coming of Jesus. He came once as our Savior in love. He'll come again, though, as the judge of the world to make all things right and restore this world to its original intent. So we should celebrate the first advent with great joy and hope. We should celebrate the second advent with great joy and hope as as well. The one who came one time will come again and make all things new.
1: That's so powerful. Thank you so much, David.
0: And to all who are listening right now, may this Christmas season be the most joyous you've ever had, and may you enjoy it with great hope.
1: This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. We'd love to have you join us for worship this Sunday morning. We meet at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte at 10 a.m. You can find more information on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Again, come join us Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Providence Day School, located at 5800 Sardis Road in South Charlotte. Our web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray for those who may be lonely in this season.